Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Skylar Crescent. Skylar, are you ready to do this? Oh yeah. All right, let's 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 go. Skyler is a CPA and a partner with Dominion Enterprise Services. He's got a specialty in strategic tax planning and research and development tax credits. Again, excited to have you on, Skyler. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Absolutely. So, just in terms of my personal life, uh, married, uh, six kids, uh, really enjoying kind of being in the thick of family life right now with uh, kids ranging from two years old all the way to my oldest who just turned 15. So been really enjoying my uh, time with my five boys and one girl and um, married my high school sweetheart. So it was a very, uh, it's been a very great 16 years of marriage and uh, just uh, really enjoying that. Professionally speaking, uh, I'm a CPA, as you mentioned, I'm a strategic tax planner, uh, recently joined uh, with Catherine Tyndall, who I know uh, you've spoken with before, uh, with Domini- Dominion Enterprise Services, and we work exclusively with business owners and high net worth individuals who want to be strategic about their tax planning. Uh, my specialty area, um, and alongside the strategic tax planning, more generally speaking, uh, is R&D credits, as you mentioned. I think it's an untapped area of tax law that a lot of small to mid-sized businesses should be taking advantage of. And uh, yeah, we can kind of go from there. I love it. So 16 years with your high school sweetheart, amazing, six kids, two to 15. And as a strategic planner, was 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 six the the plan number or are we are we <laughs> are we hoping for more? Uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, we may we may be blessed with more, but uh, we shall see. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, um, there are things built into the tax code that do encourage having children. So uh, the child tax credit and various other incentives for, you know, getting married and staying married are definitely there. Yeah, yeah, that that right there, the whole getting married and staying married might be the best piece of financial um I don't want to say advice necessarily, but the financial rule of thumb potentially right there. So that's right. That's I love right. it. <laughs> so tell me more about this R and D tax credit because I know that I've heard a little bit about it, but I don't know much about it, and I feel like I'm not that. That's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, absolutely. R and D tax credits. You know, they've been around for a while, and in 2016, they were really enshrined into staying into tax law, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Um, And essentially what they are is they're an an attempt by uh, federal government and state governments, in in many cases, to really incentivize domestic research and development. And so what they reward is paying people domestically to do research and development work. And You know, so, you know, there's a lot of discussion about how there's a lot of manufacturing overseas and offshoring and all this stuff. And so right now, the the kind of mood and what's been encouraged since, say, the mid 90s uh, by the tax code is to really invest in innovative processes and products stateside. And so that got enshrined to the tax code in the form of the R&D credit. The R&D credit essentially is a rewarding of firms who pay out 
wages and to pay out subcontractor costs to some domestic subcontractors for doing research and development work. So that's kind of the overview in terms of you know what's what it's all about in terms of the motivation for the tax code. In terms of the nitty gritty, we can get into that, but you know I'll just stop there and see if you have any questions first. Yeah, I think that 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 seems like a pretty wise thing. Uh, and our government doesn't always. This is a controversial take right here. Our government always isn't the wisest. What 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 was kind of the motivation? I, I understand that, but to actually make it happen, what was the push? Just the desire to. Yeah, and so so really the the push was, and and this is kind of alongside a suite of various other tax incentives, um, like there was one that's that's since expired. Um, uh, that rewarded domestic production, and so that's again related to the domestic manufacturing. And the argument surrounding all these pieces of incentives and legislation was to encourage uh, high-paying, innovative manufacturing-type jobs and research in the United States. Uh, the research just shows over and over that you know really the way you build wealth in a country is to provide people with you know, good paying jobs that are tied to whether it's manufacturing or, you know, research and development, you know, high end products and processes that are being developed domestically. Um, if you basically just farm that out to offshore firms, um, if you even domestic firms just hire people offshore to do that work, you're really not building a base of high wage earners in the United States. And so, that's the logic behind this, and I think it's pretty sound logic. I think mm -hmm. the economic uh, analyses kind of bear that out. Um, if you look at the, the period from, you know, World War II all the way through to say the mid '70s, that was a period of unprecedented prosperity in the United States. And a lot of the reason why that was is because we were just such a powerhouse in terms of uh, economic innovation, manufacturing, etc. You, you can think of, you know. Uh, all the men and women who had these jobs in companies for 50 years. And the reason why they could do that is because these companies continued to uh, innovate and continue to manufacture things stateside. And so I think that the, the motivation behind it is really tied to that and tied to that recognition that that's something that's good to encourage. So, you know, one of those, as you mentioned, one of those rare instances uh, where, you know, the federal government, I think, kind of got it right in terms of their uh, incentives, uh, along with a few other things. But this one, you know, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly seems to be picking up steam, at least the things I'm paying attention to when we're recognizing that we have supply chain issues and so much of our medications are built or are created overseas and whatnot. So hopefully, hopefully uh, there are still more funds coming into this. So how, how, how does that work? Let's, let's dive into that nitty gritty. Yeah. So, so really what you have to do in order to be eligible is, as I mentioned, you have to, uh, be paying people domestically. So a lot of people will think, Hey, I do, my, my company is innovative. We do innovative work. Well, the first threshold question is, do you pay wages to people dom domestically or do you pay subcontractors domestically? Uh, a lot of people have off offshore contractor teams or what have you. That's just not going to work for the R&D credit because that's contrary to the entire purpose of it. So step number one is uh, do you pay people domestically wages uh, or subcontractor fees? Step number two is do you really qualify in terms of eligibility for the credit? And 
I would just say that that's much broader than people might imagine, but in some ways it's narrower. So the IRS has a specific definition. And basically you can be eligible for the R&D tax credit if you are devoting time and effort and resources to developing or creating new or innovative products or processes, you're improving existing products or processes, and or you know patents, prototypes, software, et cetera, and you're hiring people who are using technical scientific expertise in order to do that. So designers, engineers, scientists, et cetera. So that's the basic picture is you, you have to be de developing a new product or process and you have to be doing uh, paying people domestically who are experts in developing such products or processes. So once you do that, then it's a whole process of, you know, how much is this really going to benefit you? What is this going to get you in terms of a credit? Um, but those two threshold questions, I think, are key. Are you paying people domestically and are you paying them as kind of experts to do a development of a product? Now, I want to disabuse the notion that it has to be someone who's like, you know, a PhD in chemistry or something like that it doesn't have to be that person. In fact, you could have somebody who's, for instance, a brewery, uh, owns a brewery, who has an expert brewer who's developing a new beer. That could actually be a new product. And because uh, that brewer, even though he may or may not have a advanced degree in biochemistry or what have you, is developing uh, a new product along the lines of a scientific process of testing and you know, the whole process of developing that new beer, uh, that company could qualify. Got it. You know, Skylar, I don't know what that says about you and me, but that's exactly where my brain went also, <laughs> as I bet that you could probably qualify if I were brewing beer. So on, on the flip side, well, I don't know if it's the flip side of the coin. Let's also assume that, that I'm a company that's trying to develop a, a different version of the vaccine uh, for future uh, viruses or whatever that would I would assume obviously qualify. Absolutely. So and, and in fact, I've helped I've I've helped you know firms who do biomedical research, um, especially in this time, develop products and and uh, testing methods, etc. And so that's been actually a huge boon for those companies to encourage them to be innovative in the response to the pandemic. Absolutely. So how does it actually work? If let's just use. This year, as an example, it's 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 2021. I've invested a hundred thousand dollars into into research for my new vaccine. Yeah. So, if that hundred thousand dollars was, for instance, paying a scientist to do the research, yeah. testing, you know, eliminate uncertainties, experiment along the lines of the technological, you know, experimentation process that we've just outlined then that would be that in, entire $100,000, if you're paying that to this you know, specialist to do that research, would be what's called a qualified research expenditure. That then gets plugged into a somewhat complex formula, and there's different elections you can make. But generally speaking, you can expect something around, say, 15% of those wages back as a credit. And the reason why this is important to make a distinction here is that it's not a deduction, it's a credit. So that's a dollar for dollar decrease to your tax bill. So say you have a, you know, a, a taxable income of $100,000, tax on that's $20,000. Well, if you have a $15,000 credit, 
then that eliminates 15 of the $20,000 of tax. So it's a much more powerful thing than just merely a deduction, mm -hmm. uh, given that it's a credit. Yeah, certainly. So is this something that I need to apply for on the front end or is it on, on the back end? How does it, so, how does it actually work? Yeah, it's claimed the, the main one that I'm talking about, there is another one that's a, that's a payroll, uh, R and D credit. I'm talking about the one that's offsetting income taxes and the way that it's claimed is on your income tax return. So, um, say you're a, a, a firm that is a LLC or, or S corporation, you know, or C corporation, it, it's going to be claimed at the level of the business entity itself. And then it's, if it's a pass through entity, it flows down to the individual. Um, if it's a, a C corporation that pays its own tax federally, then it's, uh, uh calculated and reduces tax at that level. So essentially it's claimed at the level of the income tax return that for the business that's doing the actual activity. Got it. Nice. And it can be claimed retroactively. So, you know, you can amend tax returns, um, you know, with certain statute limitations, you can, you can claim refunds for the R and D credit. Okay. So it's really possible that there are a lot of businesses out there that have been doing this and just not even realize. Absolutely. And oftentimes that'll exactly be the situation is I'll, you know, be talking to a new client um, and just kind of looking at their situation and just say, hey, you know, did your last CPA speak to you about the R&D credit? Oh, no, I don't even know what that is. And so you know, we're, we're talking about very, very high tax savings potentially depending on what the business is doing. Nice. And okay. So it really, I mean, this is a, for lack of a better term, an advertisement for working with somebody who is more proactive than, than just reactive. And obviously all professions, not all professionals are the same. So just taking a big step back and looking for different opportunities. Walk me through sort of a typical client engagement. Yeah. So, you know, our firm's profile and our philosophy is that we want to work with uh, people who, who really see the value of strategic planning. And so that means it's really a mutual thing. You know, we want to only take a limited number of clients because there's only so much time in the day, so much attention we can give to people. And we want to do that because we want to be very proactive and holistic in our planning process. Oftentimes, professionals of various stripes, including CPAs, will just get bogged down with the compliance work that goes along with just filing a huge number of tax returns. And that's the last thing that we want to be doing is, you know, focused on filing a bunch of tax returns, getting the work out the door, and missing these opportunities for our clients. And so our engagements are predicated on a limited number of relationships and relationships where we can really bring value to the table. And so our engagement typically looks like this. We'll do an assessment of um, someone's tax situation. Usually, you know, they'll send over a couple of years of tax returns. We'll kind of review them comprehensively. And then we'll do a discovery call with them where we determine, hey, does this make sense from a standpoint of a relationship? We, you know, we don't take everybody that walks into the door. Um, and we think that that's, you know, best for both the prospective client and for us. And if it does make sense, and if, for instance, R&D is one of those areas where they can really acquire some tax savings, uh, then we'll communicate that to them. And we'll say, look, we see this opportunity for you. I know you haven't signed on with us yet, but this is what we could potentially do for you. 
And then with that in mind, then we, if they, if they want to sign on with us and, you know, it's mutually agreeable, then we delve into the really nitty gritty detail work of getting that credit claim done. Nice. I appreciate that. So question that popped into my mind was, should people be thinking about this proactively if it's, you know, we're, we're, we're in 2021 and they're looking at 2022 and they say, okay, this is a cool thing. Should I be potentially allocating more funds towards this or is that a dangerous thing because it could go away? You know, right now, I don't really see it going away. Um, I think that in general, you know, even if you allocated more funds to it, um, it's got to make, it's got to make, first of all, it's got to make business sense. So you really have to have a potentially viable product. So one of the things I like to say is, you know, we try to encourage our clients to not let the tax tail mm -hmm. wag the business dog. So you don't want to just be making this poor business decisions for potential tax benefits. That really doesn't make sense. So first of all, it's got to make business sense. Second of all, uh, you have to be paying somebody, you know, fairly for something that is actually going to get you what you want, which is, you know, that new developed product or process. Um, if it's if it's just you as a business owner and maybe your form of compensation can be, you know, wages rather than, you know, maybe uh, other forms of compensation um, and you're going to pay yourself that amount anyway, that's a no brainer to me. And you're doing this work anyway. So, again, it has to be in the form of wages. So. I guess my answer to you is that it really depends on the product and process and the business decision, but if it's viable that you think you, you may have a chance of developing a new product or process, then this is definitely still a strong incentive for you, for you to use going forward. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Skylar, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I think that uh, the difference-making tip that I would give everyone is for you to look comprehensively uh, at your uh, relationship uh, with your tax advisor. Your taxes are your um, oftentimes your biggest expense, single line item on your P&L. Um, if you look at yourself, you know, your personal P&L. And so getting that number whittled down every single year proactively, I think can make a huge difference in terms of your cash flow and that can you know, ultimately pay dividends in terms of your pot potential earning pot uh, potential with respect to your investments, with respect to your freed up cash flow with which you can do any number of other things. So take a look every year at your uh, full tax that you pay, state and local, federal, et cetera, and make it a goal every year of whittling that number down as much as possible. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Skylar, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me at Skylar Cresson on LinkedIn. And uh, our website is Dominion ES. That's DominionES.com. And you'll find various resources on there and contact information as well. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Skylar your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to DominionES.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-I-O-N-E-S.com. Find Skylar on LinkedIn. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Skylar. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.